Welcome to this podcast discussing some of the key trials in bladder cancer presented at ASCO GU 2023. We'll be hearing from Dr. Kyle Rose, Professor Robert Huddart, Dr. Andrea Necci, and Professor Aristoteles Bamias. Our guests will delve into the details of Invigo 130 and Keynote 57, explaining the outcomes and exploring the potential impact of these trials on clinical practice. In addition to these trials, our guests will discuss adaptive image-guided radiotherapy, a technique that tailors radiation treatment to the specific needs of each patient, increasing its effectiveness while minimizing side effects. We will also hear about the use of circulating cell-free DNA to detect minimal residual disease, which has the potential to improve the accuracy of bladder cancer dissection and treatment. Let's start by hearing from Professor Bamias about the final overall survival results from the Phase 3 Invigo 130 trial. So I presented the overall survival results in arms B, which is monotherapy with atuzolizumab versus arm C, which is chemotherapy alone. And uh, in keeping with previous interim overall survival analysis, this was the final overall survival analysis, we do not find any difference in uh, overall survival between these two arms in the whole population. Um, the median overall survival for arm B was 15.2 months versus uh, 13.3 months for arm C. But it's important that one third of the patients in both arms was alive two years after study entry. When we looked uh, in overall survival analysis by PDL1 status, we found that there was no difference in survival when the tumors did not express PDL1 or had low expression of PDL1. While there was a suggestion of overall survival benefit in favor of atezolizumab when uh, the tumors highly expressed PDL1. The median overall survival for ARMB in this population was 27.5 months compared to 18 months in ARMC. Furthermore, when we specified this analysis in the cis ineligible population, then this overall survival benefit became significant. With a median overall survival uh, of uh, 18 months for um, RMB versus 10 months for chemotherapy alone, and the hazard ratio of 0.56. And this is an important finding because it justifies the label, the European label for atezolizumab, which is um, first-line treatment in cis-ineligible PDL1 positive population. This uh, indication was recently voluntarily withdrawn in the States, but it still remains a recommendation of category 2B in the NCCN guidelines. Dr. Necci took us through results from cohort B of the phase two Keynote 57 trial. Yeah, the Keynote 57 study cohort B was a phase two study of pembrolizumab monotherapy in patients with BCG unresponsive, high risk, non muscle invasive disease, uh, whose disease was characterized by a papillary tumor PTAOT1 without CIS component. Uh, so, results from cohort A of the same study resulted, including a CIS component, uh, resulted in a CR rate of 40% at three months and resulted in uh, the approval by the US FDA of pembrolizumab 
Pembrolizumab as monotherapy in this patient population. So we now focused on the, on the cold B, so the patient without any carcinoma in situ component, uh, which is um, a very, very unmet medical need uh, perceived by the community because for this patient there is actually no standard of care uh, established in the, in the literature and established by the community. Uh, the study provided the same treatment paradigm of PEMBRO monotherapy every three weeks for up to two years in case of no disease recurrence or progression. Uh, the primary endpoint was a 12-month disease-free survival rate for high-risk disease recurrence and provided uh, a rate of 43% at one year, uh, which was uh, compelling. Also, when considering the fact that there, there were no safety signals, uh, new safety signals in this, in this court, uh, the, the safety data actually recapitulated the, the data that had been already gathered in various disease settings with PEMBRA monotherapy, including the court A of the same study. Uh, and also the quality of life parameters and the quality of life scores uh, revealed the stability or an improvement over time in patients who continue with pembrolizumab without any recurrence. So overall, the, the, the study may uh, justify a potential newer indication or expanded indication of pembrolizumab beyond uh, the CIS component constraints. We also heard from Dr. Rose about the use of CFDNA for the detection of minimal residual disease. So our main clinical question or research question was, can urinary tumor DNA detect MRD in bladder cancer? We had to design a trial which would best capture or answer that question. And for us in non-muscle-based bladder cancer, we saw that as a unique opportunity in patients who are undergoing standard of care repeat TRBT to exclude the possibility of having disease present on repeat TUR and to correlate the urine prior to their repeat TRBT to that uh, tumor tissue. Finally, Professor Hoddart explained how adaptive image-guided radiotherapy can be used for patients with muscle-invasive bladder cancer. So bladder preservation with radiotherapy is an increasingly used modality, but bladder radiotherapy itself is quite challenging because the bladder changes from day to day. And so to account for that over recent years, uh, systems of using pre-treatment imaging and then doing using adaption have come into play to try and improve the accuracy um, and the safety of radiotherapy to the bladder. So in the radar trial, we're testing those concepts and trying to take steps a bit beyond that to see whether this adaptive treatment allows us to boost the tumor alone and reduce the total dose to the normal part of the bladder. The idea of that is that we'll reduce toxicity and perhaps these techniques will allow us to dose escalate, which we hope will then improve tumor control going forward. So to test this, we, we designed a randomized phase two study, uh, which was being taken apart across centers across the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. And uh, patients were randomized between a standard whole bladder treatment, a tumor boost treatment giving a standard dose of radiotherapy, and a tumor boost treatment giving a dose escalation, dose escalation group. It was run as two parallel cohorts. There's two common fractionation schedules, one based on 32 fractions, one based on 20 fractions. So they were both assessed individually, separately for toxicity. The primary endpoint of the study was to see whether the dose escalator cohort uh, could be, dose escalation could be done without excessive toxicity. And we were aiming to rule out a rate of 20% grade three radiotherapy related toxicity, expecting there'd be a rate of about 8% in the um, standard arm. So, first of all, we, we 
we base this uh, treatment on giving three separate plans, a small, medium, large and adaptive treatment. And one of the, the key findings is that we found that the investigators used all three plans quite commonly. In fact, 60% of the plans had some form of adaption compared to what may be the more standard medium plan. And in fact, only less than 2% of patients use the same plan all the way through treatment, showing the need for this sort of approach to optimise treatment. And overall, the toxicity seen in the trial was, was, was very good. Um, there was no cases of uh, grade three radiotherapy rate of toxicity at all in the 32 fraction cohort, and a single case in the dose escalated cohort on the 20 fraction arm, and actually there was a case each in the, the other two arms, so there was no evidence of increased toxicity. The primary endpoint was clearly met and even if we go beyond that and look at any grade three toxicity, that was still below the threshold, the preset threshold. So we successfully showed that we could dose escalate using this technique successfully. The overall level of toxicity seemed to be less than previous studies in all the arms. There was no evidence looking at overall toxicity at any time point that the dose escalation group was worse, and maybe even a suggestion it might be slightly better. And that was particularly applied to, to grade 2 GU toxicity, though with the power of the study we couldn't show that conclusively or significantly so. Local control rates were very good. 87% um, of patients in the dose escalated group had control at three months in the Czech cystoscopy in the patients who was assessed and the disease-free survival, the local disease-free survival rate at two years was 79% in the uh, whole bladder group and the, the non-dose escalator group and 85% in the dose escalator group. There was a hazard ratio of 0.75, not statistically significant because we didn't power the study to do that. We need to study about two or three times the size of what we recruited to be conclusively show that sort of difference. Um, but overall encouraging that we can dose escalate without excessive toxicity and achieve good control rates. The two-year disease-free survival rates, um, local disease-free survival rates we saw, were actually better than what we've seen in our previous trial uh, called BC2001. That's all for this episode. Take a look at vjoncology.com for more interviews from ASCOGU, including updates in prostate and kidney cancer. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on your favourite podcast app, including Spotify and Apple. You can also follow us on Twitter for live updates from oncology congresses throughout the year. Stay tuned for more updates and discussions with VJ Oncology.